which was like the 90s, I guess I was a teenager, to now. And the way that we approach the way we talk about sex and relationships and the way that uh, couples try to navigate the waters of a long relationship that has seen the spark sort of disappear. And oftentimes we need to turn to people to sort of help us, experts that can sort of navigate those waters in a way where everyone is comfortable and calm and on the same page and a lot of us and I don't really know how I feel about this which is why I'm happy that our guest is here today but a lot of us feel like there are so many risk factors when trying to explore new ways to sort of bring back the sexual energy of your relationship and um, today I hope that we have uh, someone on the show that can help us with those answers and and by the way I think that we may have um, done the trick, sorry for the abrupt ending of the beat there, but this is what she posted yesterday, and I was like, I would love to do this. Serious question here, thinking of early spring for the first of hopefully several, would people be interested in a slumber party? I'm talking PJs, pizza, backyard fire, feel free to tent sleep, or crash in my living room, basement, wherever. I don't want to get proper use of my backyard after all, after all these years of lockdown. And I was just like, who would do that? Who in their right mind would do that? And the answer is... Emily Pruden, how are you? Absolutely, I'm awesome. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. Is that? Do you normally do like a open call for a slumber party? I do. Um, it's actually kind of sad because it's because one time I had like a closed guest list party and nobody showed up. So oh. now it's an open call. So That's I found out a lot of people are kind of like me, where it's you know, if you're directly invited as an introvert, you're not going to go out. But if it's like, hey, yeah. maybe show up. You'll check it out. Yeah. Yeah. So um, get, let's break it down like this. Like, first of all, where are you from and where did you grow up? So I'm born and raised Hamilton, Ontario. Um, Oski wee wee. So um, I've lived all over the city, which I mean, in terms of Hamilton means I'm well-traveled, um, <laughs> well-versed in the different neighborhoods. So, um, and I've also had some experience with a short stint in Toronto, um, but definitely definitely call Hamilton home. What, what did you think of Toronto and where did you live? Because some people um, have, a, there's a lo- lot of love hate going on with Toronto I've found over the last 20 years. It was actually in a residence in a hotel. Um, on, oh. Yeah, like it, it was because I was doing some work in Toronto and by the time the go trains were all done, I couldn't get home. Okay. So it was one of those. So it, it was fun. It did was you have really a slumber good. party at the hotel? I did not. I was, I was very well behaved at the hotel. Um, it was other people's hotels that you misbehave at. No. Um. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> the Drake. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, so home, have a house, all that fun grown up stuff. So let me, how did you get, so I want to know, so 
I feel like you you probably have a certain type of personality to do the work that you do. That you're you you say you're an educator in kink and poly polyamor. Is yeah. that what it's called? Polyamory. I have a hard time with that word. I I, I thought it used to mean I I used to get that word confused with androgynous for some reason. <laughs> I, I don't know why. <laughs> It's... polyamorous androgynous you know same thing um but do you did you feel like you had the type of personality that would naturally get into that kind of scene um were you like um uh always kind of open sexually when you were growing up like how did you find yourself um in in that field so actually i well i've always kind of known um that i was into polyamory more so lately as of late ethical non-monogamy, which is different. But um, so with polyamory, it was always, so I grew up in the church. I was in a Christian rock band. Yay, God. Um, yeah. So a lot of the thoughts and urges and things and, and even jokes that I'd make with my friends, um, I'd end up getting a talking to and being told, you know, those things are wrong. Those things are bad. You don't actually want them. That's just the devil. Um, so... For me, it was a lot of trying to kind of repress. I'd, you know, hear jokes about threesomes and foursomes and triads and swingers and things like that. And to me, like, I was more interested in, like, I kind of want to see how that works rather than interested, like, ooh, that sounds like a spectacle. So it's, I don't know, it's just always been something that's there. And then I do think um, my, my road to education was a uh, very, very uh, quick and abrupt two foot jump right in, dove right in, because uh, I left the church, left my marriage, and just dove right into all the things that since, you know, puberty, I was told I couldn't do and learned a lot along the way. So, so a triad isn't a Chinese gangster. It's something else that I'm not aware of. <laughs> a triad is a relationship, uh, like a throuple, if you will. Um, oh. An equal partnership between three people. Okay, um, so yeah. so w when I think of stuff like that, um, and I think of what a successful polyamorous relationship would look like, I have a hard time even imagining it because I feel like there would always be a constant imbalance of emotional energy being given and taken, and 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 really, it isn't the sex to me. <laughs> I, the sex part seems less complicated than the emotions. Mm -hmm. I know they're intertwined. Are, if you were to just hazard a guess out of like um, 10 couples, how many that explored that polyamorous uh, relationship thing would um, be successful in, in sort of having a successful relationship? Probably two or three of them, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Um... It is not something that's for everyone. It, it takes a lot of emotional um, self-reflection. I won't even say emotional maturity because there are a lot of big emotions that come up. It's a lot of um, self-reflection and uh, communication. Yeah, it, it, feels that, it feels like that way. And it's, I mean, it's hard enough to deal with one person. Mm-hmm. Right. And there's and there, and then also conceptually, I often I, like not often, but I, I mean, I would imagine that one person is usually like the, there's like that first domino out of the three people that like cross over a line emotionally or say something that um, ostracizes that other person just between you and that other person, that one person. Do you know what I mean? Like the, there feels like 
if yeah. you're not all on the same page. Well, and, and that's it too, is there's different types of polyamory. So if oh, we're right, assuming right. it's a triad, there's going to be a different set of boundaries, rules, uh, how, not necessarily rules, but um, how the relationship works and how the dynamics all play out for that versus someone who has, say, if they're solo poly, which is, uh, you know, they're single, but they form long-term relationships, ongoing relationships with multiple people. Um, then there's people who have like a nesting partner or, you know, a first or, or their hierarchical partner um, that they live with, they do family events with, and then they have other relationships on the side. Um, and kind of like a bit of a difference uh, in the philosophies that I use is because there's ethical non-monogamy, which would be more of like a swinger. Mm-hmm. And then there's polyamory, which is, uh, they're kind of tied in together, but there's a bit of a difference in, in the way that I approach education with it. It's that polyamory is that you, uh, amory uh, um, insinuates there's going to be a relationship, a connection, an ongoing thing. Uh, whereas if you're ethically non-monogamous, it's, well, you can have your cake and eat it too. So there's there's so many different titles that kind of come in through all of this. And it's it's really just a, a very interesting hole to dive into. Um, Sometimes it's hard to imagine someone um, with a great upbringing, um, no issues as far as abuse goes, no issues as far as abandonment goes. And it would be difficult imagining that person um, engaging in a polyamorous relationship. This could be my ignorance. It just feels difficult. Like even yourself, um, raised by the church, that was enough. <laughs> you, know, yeah. the, you didn't have to go farther than that. And, and you know, and I get that because you know, I was I wasn't raised religious, but I was I went I, w- I was raised Catholic in a sense, and I mm. uh, went to a Catholic school and did confession and all that kind of shit. And I remember what Jesus' fear felt like. You know, oh, yeah. E- yeah. even when I decided that I wasn't a believer anymore i i remember someone saying oh my it was my buddy my, we were walking down the street and uh, i think i was like 18 because i've been in like a non-believer since i was like 12 or something well mm-hmm. really since i was baptized and i shat all over yeah. the altar which was awesome yeah. um <laughs> but i don't remember it but it was awesome um but the but he we we're walking down the street and he and he looked up and he's like and, and i'm like what's wrong he's like oh i don't know i'm just so fucking pissed off and i'm like what are you gonna do about it and he just took a deep breath and he goes fuck you god and I was like, oh, my God. Oh, shit. Wait, I don't believe, you know, yeah. like there's, a, there's a Jesus fear there. Yeah. Um, but are there many well-adjusted people that have a really great life that end up in that lifestyle? Most people are well-adjusted, to be honest. Um, you would think, and I think it's because so many people expect it to not be something that a sane or well-adjusted person would choose. But it's honestly... Um, you'll find more people in the lifestyle are mentally well and and healthy, um, which actually lends more success in in polyamory. In my personal experiences, uh, I know that um, if I've gone into uh, relationships, poly relationships where I've either entered into a dynamic or kind of made my own, um, where it's, if they've if they're better well adjusted than I've been, we've lasted and had a very good time. Like those are the ones that you know if they call me next week and say, "Hey, I'm moving. Can you help me?" I'll still go help them even though we're not romantic or anything. But then the people that I find are like me, where we're not necessarily from the best backgrounds in terms of uh, emotional health and, and trauma and all that fun stuff, um, they never end well. It's it's. Hmm. 
it, it's a yin and yang actually i find it and it takes all kinds but i will say um it there are more well-adjusted people in the lifestyle than people like myself yeah. <laughs> i i've got the bells and whistles asterisk next to my polyamory so How, what does that mean um it's that so in terms of of the things i enjoy i also enjoy kink i also enjoy like there's so many other things that i also enjoy with my polyamory mm. where you know um other people are literally just in it for purely a relationship thing like my brand of polyamory will have like normally have a nesting partner then a dom then some play partners is what i'll call them the play partners would be more onto like the ethical non-monogamy where it's their friends with benefits. Um, whereas the Dom would be an ongoing polyamorous relationship and my nesting partner would be an ongoing polyamorous relationship. I feel like if you're a Dom or a submissive, now hear me out. Um, you're kind of pigeonholing yourself into an identity for the rest of your life. Now a switch is the only thing that makes sense to me. It, it really is because I because like, you know, you, you, and it also depends on your partner. Like I, we were talking off air and about how I'm uh, I'm going to segue into this because I think it's hilarious. Mm -hmm. When I'm on mushrooms, I often seek um, a person on Facebook who I've dubbed shrooms girl, because when I when I when I look at her when I'm on mushrooms, um, like lasers and rails fly out of her. <laughs> mm -hmm. what it is. She's just beautiful. And, but but when I see this picture, which is of shrooms girl in her roller derby outfit, I'm like, sub, <laughs> <You know? laughs> but, but if I were to see her in like, you know, some other outfit, I'd probably be like, Dom, like, you yeah. know, it's just, and that I've been like, when I, I've met couples who have, I met a couple ones who they had a male third party, mm -hmm. um, the Dom or whatever that would, um, that they would see like once a month. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of always the same thing. And I, and I get it. If you're into something, then stick with what works or whatever. The dynamic, though, um, are couples often surprised to find out that something that was working in fantasy didn't work in reality? A lot of the times. Um, and a lot of it comes down to a mix of miscommunication mm -hmm. and not knowing what to expect, but still having expectations. Right. Um, and I just picture somebody crying in bed, you know? <laughs> Um, there have been people that, so in the, in the places where I've facilitated, you know, the ability to be safe and explore, there have been people that have safe worded out and, um, you know, when, when they've done so where I've been there, it's that I offer to kind of help them chat through what their emotions are. Um, but there's a lot of times, even with myself where, uh, cause I mean, not even polyamory, um, polyamory can, can bring up a lot of fears that you didn't know that you had in a relationship and when you finally let your partner explore um it brings up a lot and it is a lot to deal with and a lot of people are not able to quite handle it um there are it, it's 90 percent of the time you can see that there is some disappointment more so in one partner than another not necessarily the man or woman you can see where you know when it doesn't work out, it's generally because one party really wanted it a lot more than the other, and the other, and the person that wasn't not that wasn't necessarily into it, they were trying to do it for their partner. And if you're trying to do it for your partner, it is not going to be successful. You have to want this. In yeah, order there, to... there is a pure kind of. Uh, it's strange to say it. 
out loud, but there is a kind of a pure honesty. Like you can't get more honest than the emotional reality. Hello? I lost you. See that we're frozen? Okay, we're yeah. good. We're good. Yeah. Um, we're back. Yeah. Um, so, sorry, I was saying that there's that it feels like one of the more honest moments just can have in their life was that emotional reaction to the mm -hmm. first time they explore something with another person. Mm -hmm. and, and that is the kind of, um, that is the kind of stuff that when I think about, um, when I think about couples who, who, who do that, I almost like envy the risk taking side of that. Um, because let's face it, you don't go into, um, you, you, if you're a couple and you're trying to like recapture your attraction to your, your significant other and you're bringing in other people into the bedroom, I'm sure that works for some people, but that is a very risky play. Mm -hmm. if, if you haven't done it before, what are the kinds of things that you can do to prepare for that first time? So one of the things you should absolutely do is be 100% completely honest. You need to make sure that you and your partner are on the same page. Are you looking for, so if we're using say a threesome, for example, are you looking to participate? Are you looking to watch? Are you looking to, you know, be more involved? Are you looking to stand back or you know like what do you want like how much attention do you need from me to continue to feel safe and, and wanted and, and all this um you also need to know what your partner is, is hoping to get from it like you should know what you want to get from it but you should know what your partner wants to get from it because um whether or not it's a threesome whether you're you're you know sending your partner off to go on a date with someone, what your partner is hoping to get from it, because you kind of need to actually draw from that. It's a very selfless act to share someone you love with another person. Um, and it, I mean, there's times where you can experience compersion, which is arousal at the thought of your partner getting off with someone else. But a lot of the time there's a bit of jealousy. And so when you focus on the thought that, okay, well, my partner is hoping to have this experience. I want them to have that experience. And that's kind of what you focus on when you're sending them out. It's focus on your partner's happiness um, and focus on also knowing that um, you are part of your partner's happiness. I use coffee as, as a uh, example. Is this that describe being yeah, it's, it's a it's a bean thing yeah i'm on a theme this week <laughs> she um that one was ghost written for me and it's i yeah. don't have it i wish i had it but it was something like what do you remember what it said hey TikTok, you want to see me flick my bean and yeah. then i and then you flicked a coffee bean yeah um <laughs> I, and i said to you i was like i'd rather have the coffee because bean <laughs> just isn't a good word that other thing right like, I know. You know, but uh, but yeah so it's that Think of polyamory in that you know your partner likes a good cup of coffee. And all these coffee shops are open up around town. And, you know, he might get a large double-double at one place, get a large double-double at another place. They're both going to taste different, but they're both going to hit the spot. But also yeah. know that the large double-double that you make for him at home is going to hit differently, and you can't get that anywhere else. So you have to make sure that you're not comparing yourself. And even when you go for yourself, like don't be looking for the same coffee because you're not going to get the same cup of coffee. You honey, need to discover the different flavors out there. Honey, this is the third time this week you've been to Big Black Coffee. I think we need to talk. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but there's also the, the, the mutuality is super important. Like it, you, you can't just do it for your partner. Mm -hmm. You have to have some selfish reason to do it as well, right? Like, oh, like yeah. you can't. Yeah. Um, 
I don't think most people have the emotional capacity to be able to handle this kind of stuff. Like, I, I, I don't think, I don't think, I, w- I think I would be able to handle that w- if it was another woman. Mm. Um, you know, then I don't have to worry about emotions and stuff like that. Like, like how do I'm you not- know? Well, if I have to work, you know what? This is going to be ridiculous. I don't imagine, I can't even imagine, um, like I had a friend whose whose father uh, came out after four kids and twenty years of marriage, and it was very hard because it was the nineties at the time, and all of his kids were teenagers, and no one had no knew how to deal with that kind of stuff at the time. It was just it was just very strange. Mm-hmm. But I used to imagine what it would be like if if the person that I was with um, came home and was like I fell in love with a woman, I. I because I can conjure up an emotion like jealousy if I were to imagine her telling me that she just fell in love with this dude. Mm. I can imagine being jealous of that. I can feel it. I can viscerally feel it. When it comes to um, her, I, I don't know if, I, if, if it's because, well, I can't identify with that. Mm. I, and I'm not jealous because she's not replacing me with another man. So I'm confused why I'm not that. So, but if it was another man, I'd be really upset. So on the flip side then, could you only be with other men? So your partner doesn't have to worry about that. No. So that kind of actually tells you exactly where, um, not not necessarily you, but society, society, and not to get all feminist, society views women as sexual objects, sex removed from emotion. Right. In this very much, you know, two girls, girl on girl, I mean, A, it's hot. B, there seems to be less risk. But when a guy pictures, you know, having the same rules on him where he can only be with another guy, you kind of realize that, okay, there's there's more at play that makes it okay than what I'm conscious of. So it's not like it's a conscious thing. So, because uh, I do get what you're saying. It's like but, replacement fear. Yeah. And, and I guess, like, no matter what you do, I mean, if your partner is willing to be with another woman, if, then there's going to be a then chance that you're going to be with it. No, yeah. 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 Like it's, if they're willing to have sex with a woman, they're willing to have emotion and an emotional connection with a woman. That's, you know, well, um, there are a lot of bisexuals who are, um, they'll, they'll have sex with either, but they can, they only really have sex with one or, or the other. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm actually one of those. Um, I very much attracted to men and women. Um, however, I don't, I think if I were to find the right woman that has the right traits that I have is not accountability, find, is accountability one of those traits? Cause I don't think you're going to find it. Yeah. I've, I've not found that in, in men. Um, <laughs> that's why I'm single. No, um, <laughs> meet Barack Obama. <laughs> oh, I haven't heard that one. I, I always heard Pamela Anderson. Pamela <laughs> Pamela Anderson. Anderson. Yeah, no, this is Barack Obama. Nice. Um, yeah. So no. Uh, in terms of just, I, I do find um, there are there's a lot of traits that that a lot of us want in our partners that in even in in the LGBTQ community you'll find more often in cisgendered people. So um, there's certain things like I want someone who can toss me around a bit. Um, I'm also attracted to women who look like me. So finding that oh. in a long term is not, I, 
I can't throw myself against a wall. The best I can do is maybe choke myself. So. Hi, I'm Steve Yurko. And I'm Tara Sands. Now available from Maji Media is our new podcast, Four Kids Flashback. Four Kids is the company who brought you the English dub of Pokemon in the late 90s and so many other shows like Yu-Gi-Oh!, Shaman King, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Kirby, the infamous One Piece dub, and so many more. We'll be talking to the people who worked at Four Kids. Actors, directors, writers, editors, producers, engineers, you get the point. And hopefully get the answers to questions both you and I have about the company. I actually worked there as a voice actor on some of the shows. And I was a kid watching the shows and remember way more than Tara does. And thank God for that. Steve is actually a professional storyboard artist, which gives some really unique insights into anime and animation. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. That's the number four kids flashback. Yeah. My favorite thing <laughs> about this photo is your face. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> it's because your face it's it's like kind of sexy and then at the same time you're like is that a spider behind you yeah <laughs> i think it was in the middle of a sentence when that was taken to be perfectly honest it's from the eyeballs up it's like perfect yeah no it is totally <laughs> from like nose down it's like uh but the, the only reason i'm showing you pictures of yourself <laughs> is because if you want to date someone that kind of looks like you does that mean that barack obama is thinking of you like like what's I have that really kind of impressive and 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 like I don't think I've ever heard anyone say that before like you're you're attracted to women that look similar that have a similar look to you yeah which I promise is not narcissism it's just I think it's confidence I thank you it's that I I like this aesthetic. I, I just happen to be a member of the aesthetic, but this is the aesthetic that I that I am attracted to. Well, how so, tall are you? I'm five eight. Okay. So I'm I'm short in my family. Oh, I'm five Not six. <laughs> but my favorite thing when I was young, it was was dating girls that were a lot taller than me and then asking them to put on bitch boots so that we could yes. walk the street when they were like six three and I was still five six. I don't know why men are so uptight about that shit. I fucking loved it. I, maybe it's because I, I always like attention. But yeah. <laughs> to, to have a woman on your arm that literally is like Towers. almost a foot taller than you. And and every it is such a good so, uh, sociological experiment because everyone looks, everybody looks, and they all have like a look of confusion. <laughs> Some people have a look of way to go, buddy. Some yeah. people have a look of like, why are you with that fucking guy? Like it's fucking weird, and, and but I but I love it. Um, I'm so, usually the towering woman when I'm with a woman. Um, yeah, but, but I you, tend to like my men taller. Yeah, well, and older, but not really. Oh yeah. <laughs> All right. Don't ask out Emmeline. Too short. <laughs> Thought we could uh, relive my youth there with your bitch. Well, your you know piece. what? You'll be taller if someone's on their knees. So just you know, no. Um, I don't know what to say to that because we were just talking about me and you. So, um, no. So, <laughs> um, okay. Um, so when we w- w- give me an idea of the events that, you, that I don't know if you still throw the events because when I think of events, I think of um, two things. I think of like Club X or something like that in Toronto, which I went to once, and I gotta say it was just eh, I, I, I don't know. It, it was. Too, I'm not a person who enjoys the idea of 
spontaneity with my kink. Mm. If I were to like, it, it, I, I'm more of an eyes wide shut guy. I think like I'm, I, I would rather go to a party like that. But it's also are there two types of people? Because I'm just honestly I'm freestyling here. I, there's I didn't so know many pre- types of people. Uh, well, definitely- well, well, what I was what I was gonna say though is that is that generally are there two types of people? People who like hey, let's go out to the sex club and see what happens. And then there's people that it, it feels like, because I'm definitely the second category, let's specifically tailor make an event for exactly what we like and not have any surprises, <laughs> right? Like, Yeah. Well, and, and that's, there. there's, yeah, actually there's two, very well wrapped up there. Um, it's, I've it's been very... thinking about this forever. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, so there are people that they'll check out and come for a specific event because they know somewhat what to expect but also there's people that will just show up for the first time literally oh well we heard about this place on the internet we decided to check it out Mm -hmm. Um, and those are usually the first ones to actually volunteer for the games which i love as a former event planner i'm not currently doing them if i could do them again like if anyone uh, that's listening needs some event uh, hosting done. Um, so I, I worked at Oasis and yeah. my nights were the hardcore nights as well as the Thursday nights, which included the swinger and poly um, education talks as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so people that were kind of new to the scene or unsure of, of what to do, they would generally not come on Bukaki night. Uh, well, pardon the pun. But, um, I was just going to say, um, <laughs> they were the only ones that didn't yeah. um, So they, they would come to something more like uh, Swingers Night. Um, actually, we called it So You Want to Be a Swinger. And some nights we'd, we'd play games like Swingers Bingo, which is really just a reason to get, or uh, a, an innocuous way to get people to talk to each other. Because at the end of the day, no matter if you're polyamorous, vanilla, I mean, I don't know how vanilla you can be at a sex club, but... Um, you won't even do Bukkake night? Pfft, vanilla. I know. Come on. It's great for the skin. Actually, it's terrible for your skin. Yeah, but, I don't even understand um, why a, a, anybody that... Okay, we'll talk about that in a second. Yeah, I, okay. I have a, we'll get on that, we'll get on that yeah, another yeah. day. Um, but yeah, no, so... No, no, we'll come back to it before the show's over because I want to talk about that a little bit, but go ahead. Yeah, uh, yeah. but it's that... Uh, the biggest thing in polyamory and having it be successful is communication and getting outside of your shell. And, and so things like icebreaker games, like swingers bingo, and it literally just be like, you need to find someone in the room that shaved their balls last week or got had sex in the last three days, or, you know, uh, has gone to a BDSM event is a swinger is new to the lifestyle. So you go around the room and you meet people and you start chatting and it's that, you know, sure. There's a prize at the end, but I'm really not timing any of it. And while they're playing, I'm usually on the stage answering questions from people because the ballroom has a little stage and just kind of sharing different topics like, you know, how to deal with jealousy, how to deal with, um, you know, what happens when you discover that you like it like quite a bit, like making sure that you don't end up in a frenzy because there's people that they realize that they enjoy the idea of their partner going off with someone else and it turns them on to the point where they kind of, it's like a shark feeding frenzy where they just want to do it again and again and again. Right. And it can, so, you know, just things like that, um, getting people to kind of, it's, the best way to it, it's, it's like a summer camp for adults, for naked yeah. adults. Um, 
just a way for them to break down barriers while listening to how uh, these things happen and, and how and things to look out for and things to look forward to even because there's people whose relationships were strong going into it but become stronger after because a level of communication that opens up when you are in polyamory even a don't ask don't tell type polyamory um, your core relationship tends to be that much stronger because when you are together you are focused on your time together because your time isn't always spent together um i find that when a lot of people talk of these topics they, they place where um where and can't imagine what what who would do that would you do that i'd never do that I find those conversations to be boring and I find them to be um, really, you don't learn anything, right? Like yeah. that joke can be done in three seconds, but people kick the shit out of that joke. And then a half an hour later, um, the conversation's over. But I, I'm just, um, for, and, and when I say I want to get back to the Bukkake thing, it's not for fun and games. I, yeah. I, I, I'm just wondering the, the, the person, the recipient of that, are they being paid? Cause I can't imagine anyone being like, this is great. Like I there's love people, this. There's people that enjoy it. They love it. Uh, it turns them on. It's a kink for them. Um, for some people, it's even a fetish. The difference between kink and a fetish is a fetish you you need it to get off. Um, mm. But there's people like we we had no problem recruiting bukkake queens, and because it was a simulcast event, um, there's even a broadcast that goes to our online chat platform. Paid members, vetted, confirmed. You know they can't be recording. They can't sell it elsewhere. Like it's it's as if they're in the club. Um, same rules, but people wanted to be in that coveted camera position to be on the receiving end of the bukkake people give a drug test give him a drug test no no sober person would ever do that i don't think um well at at the club you can't get served to point like you know how most bars have like two drinks per hour yep maybe like we'll keep an eye on you at one and a half per hour because you have to make sure that consent can be given at all times and that consent can be properly rescinded if needed at all times Imagine trying to do this like, no, sorry, sorry. I was just imagine <laughs> no, someone trying to blur, blur, yeah. blurt out a safe word and it just sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, to get into the kink side of things, if you can't communicate with your mouth, you have a hand signal. <laughs> there's, <laughs> Hopefully there's no webbing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, if your hands are behind, you get, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of contingencies. Like if A plus B equals C yeah. times D than EFG. Yeah. Um, one of the reasons why I joke about the drugs is because when I was a rave promoter, um, I noticed that um, my ecstasy use had a lot to do with the fact that it was a million times better on ecstasy sex than it was sober. Mm-hmm. And it honestly took me years to really enjoy sober sex again after that. Like I, I had, you know, kind of a drug problem. And so I had to shut yeah. it. But that was one of the main reasons why I kept going back to it. Um, as far as the sex clubs go, are, are, I mean, is it hard to be aware of how, how much how much drugs permeate or play a role in people's satisfaction? It is definitely uh, something that you need to be aware of and something you need to kind of keep an eye out for. Um, apart from legal legal liability, which is something that you know you kind of have to worry about, you do want to worry about your guest safety, especially if you're hosting the event, if you're in charge of you know, providing a safe space um, and then having open and honest conversations. Like there's certain people who won't play or engage 
if there is any drugs or alcohol in their system and there's other people that say, okay, well, you can do drugs, but when we're talking and negotiating and, and, and having, you know, uh, before the fun starts, like you can take it once we've agreed to have fun, you know, oh, they I'd secretly see. take it during negotiations and I would only take, like, honestly, I, I don't think I could, um, cause I consider myself to be kind of kinky and everything, but I don't, mm-hmm. but I've been, I've been recently separated after 13 years or whatever. And I'm, I'm honestly afraid of going to a city cause I feel like I'll just have sex with the entire cities. Sort of thing because I'm just like, whatever. But um, but when it comes to that kind of stuff, I can't even imagine mustering the courage while sober. Well, you know? and that's where someone like it's it's my job to help people become comfortable without needing that. I am I am the scene fluffer, if you will. That's what the icebreaker games are about. So, I mean, chances are, if you're showing up on a bukkake night, you're interested in busting in that on someone's face. It's just it's what the night is. <laughs> So, I don't know. I just picture the movie Carrie, except it's not blood now, right? Because it's just, you know, it it can get quite messy in there. there, There's a chivalry that 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 listening, if you will. Yeah, right. But but there is a chivalrous man inside me that's just like, no, 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 no. Get up, like young lady, and get get wipe your face. Like I don't understand the psychology of of that kink. Um, concerns me. I guess because it's not the and, same as being tied up. Well, it, is like, it, is, it is it is prolonged humiliation by several people, mm-hmm. and you're just taking it and mm-hmm. pretending that it feels good. I guess I don't know. some people actually like, enjoy it. Um, well, and that's it is you don't so like in the community we we say we don't yuck other people's yums. We don't kink shame. Yeah. I mean, I will admit there are certain kinks out there that. Like the poo and pee stuff. I'm like, I well, and that's that. it. It's, yeah. it's not for me. It's not my kink. NMK. Right. You know, we. That's really what you have to leave it at. Like, there's kinks that I'm not comfortable with. I won't shame two consenting adults for doing them, but I there's will. a lot of kinks that I won't touch. <laughs> I will. Like, if, if if there was a woman that I was speaking with, and then like she was beautiful, and we were hitting it off, and all of a sudden she's just like, and my my favorite kink is when men shit on me. So I see, wouldn't even be able to sit there and be like, goodbye. But, like, I, and it's not and the that's same fine. Of, yeah, that's yeah. fine that you can't, that you don't share that kink. Like, but I don't even want to be fun. in the vicinity of a person that likes to yeah. be people defecating on her. I, I just like, you know. And and so that that's the thing. Like, people do have personal hangups. Yeah. Um, if you go to a club setting, you're allowed to have your personal hangups, but you can't make someone else feel bad for their kinks. No. And I that's, think that's kind of. That's kind yeah. of where the, the line gets drawn is that you want to make sure that people know that they're allowed to have their kinks. They just can't necessarily expect other people to share or appreciate them, but they won't be shamed for them. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's, it's a weird place. It, it's hard to talk about. Um, it's hard to talk about what you're into in a setting that um, has more than one person there for most people anyways. Right. Like, like uh, for most people, I'm not, and, and there's nothing wrong with it. Listen, like I, I, I have discovered here, I'll just put all my cards on the table. I have discovered that I think that, um, the stuff that goes on in my head is, it is better left fantasy than reality. And so what I've done is I've, I've taken it all and I've squished it into the category known as role-playing and dirty talk. Mm-hmm. And, and and that makes, that is like the replacement for the ridiculous fantasies that I might have. Mm-hmm. 
that involve more than one person, right? And so that's what I'm comfortable with. Or the holodeck from Star Trek. If that existed, none of us would be having other partners. They'd all be digital. And, I, I want know, data. I, I want the actual robot android. Oh, an emotionless, be, an, an emotionless being that won't uh, ever get angry. That's that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And fully functional. Send them over to my to. place when you're done. Yeah. No. Um. Well, and that's it. So to talk. So that's in, in the community. That would be the way that you do. With the, uh, if if you if all you want to do is is role play and dirty talk. That's your. Those are your limits. Is what we would call it. Other people have different limits. And I mean, someone who has larger limits or more widespread limits, they wouldn't be able to understand your limits being what they are versus what their limits are. And so that's kind of where the whole like no kink shaming or anything like that comes in because what works for you, you're going to find partners where that works for both of you, but that doesn't work for all people. Like I've, I've had uh, people in the past where, um, I mean, I have no problem with vanilla sex. Um, there's a difference. Even if, they do, even if they do this, uh, like where they're all in my <laughs> emotional or they start crying this is just so beautiful okay so that's not for me that is not my my (laughs) cup of tea um you know the the, the caress no thank you um it's got to be one of these no um so no (laughs) it's been yeah the caller was there for a reason i knew yeah (laughs) (laughs) actually i I put this on to to hang out with people this week um and i just haven't taken it off because it looks pretty cute no um so I almost forgot what we were talking about, but I'm, I think I'm back on track. So in terms of, of sex and partners and limits and, and even role play, like for me, B, so BDSM is completely different than rough sex. So I've had partners in the past where I'd be like, can you pull my hair? And I'm like, no, I'm like, okay, this isn't doing it for me then, because clearly if I'm asking them to pull my hair, there's something that is being missed elsewhere, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, so some people, but I respect their limit. Like if they say they're not going to pull my hair, I'm just going to pinch my arm and get some pain, but you know, no. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, but it, but it's also against the law. Like you're not allowed to consent to any type of assault or bodily harm. Correct. Um, right. And so the, um, the, the, uh, uh, an experience that I had once um, when I was in my late twenties and I was, uh, I was dating this Mexican, Mexican woman and she, um, she dug her nails like I was on top of her and she, we were having sex and she dug her nails into my side mm-hmm. um, because she had asked me to. Sorry, I'm saying it out of order. She's like, hit me. I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> She's like, hit me, slap me right across the face. Right. And I'm mm-hmm. like, no. And then um, and then she dug her nails in uh, after after asking me another half dozen times. Mm-hmm. And because she dug her nails in, I just <laughs> and then I was like, <gasps> and then I kissed her and she goes, yeah. she literally she literally went like this. Oh, the best part is when you kiss it better. No, fuck. Well, okay. I, so some people get off <laughs> yeah. on that. Um, no, and I, I don't even judge her for it. To be perfectly yeah. honest with you, it was kind of therapeutic. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, and it's, it's too like, um, I mean, just in general, like a lot of people, a lot of what people do in the bedroom without BDSM, like people have rough sex all the time. Mm. Um, and, you know, if it's unspoken, there's that gray area. Like anytime you do anything that's not vanilla, you're technically taking on the risk because, as you said, in Ontario, you cannot consent to being injured. So it takes a level of trust. But that being yeah. said, 
if you're having that type of sex with someone, you should have that level of trust before that happens because both parties Don't tell them when they're inside of you to hit them. Tell yeah, them you, you should be like, you know what? I, I kind of like it rough. You can say that during foreplay and then you yeah. can have that conversation. Um, and uh, actually just kind of swing things over to polyamory. Cause that's something that um, is big as well as people try polyamory. Part of the reasons that I tell people, like if you're looking to see if you're into kinky sex, like don't use polyamory to try it, try kinky sex um, instead. But um it's that a lot of people will try and do different things with their other partners, like like I do with the separate relationships, but people will use it to explore new kinks and that can actually cause uh, emotional damage and harm to their partner because they would like to explore things with their partner and they want to be given that chance. So sorry, that's like that's, that's that, that imbalance, um, right? That you were yeah. kind of inferring to earlier where it's like it can't just be for one person. Well, we yeah. thought we'd go there because my partner really felt that something was missing. Like that, that's going to be a disaster, right? Yeah. Or it's like, oh, well, I really want to, I really want to try handcuffs in this. And so they go and do handcuffs with someone else and their partner's like, I, I, I would have tried that with you, you know? So you got to make sure that you're on the same page in that, you know, I mean, obviously if you want to do handcuffs with your partner and someone else, that's something you negotiate with whatever partners you have. But a lot of people, when they do polyamory, it's that they they need to make a conscious effort to make sure that they are still pleasing their primary partner. They're still exploring and trying what their part. They're still trying to fulfill their partner's needs instead of just filling those needs for other people. Yeah, I I, I, I bet you it's the exit point for a lot of relationships. Mm -hmm. You know, let's go try this, and then one person is like looking at their partner being completely satisfied, like they've never seen before, and they're like, "I am out." Well, you know. um, that's, it's actually not kind of how it happens. A lot of it happens in terms of the way that a normal relationship would just end. Um, mm. I do want to say like, apart from the sex club experience, so the sex club experience of, of the type of polyamory and swingers that you meet there is going to be different than people that live it, live it as a lifestyle as their day to day. Um, I know people who are married who have long-term partners, you know, um, I have, I, I know people whose marriages have broken up because, you know, a long-term partner, uh, you know, ended up becoming more important to one of the partners, you know, and, you know, but that can honestly happen whether or not you're polyamorous, which people don't like to hear and people don't like to admit. Um, yeah. I find polyamory allows people to realize that one person could be your person but that doesn't mean they're your everything and some people are okay saying okay well i'd like to be part of your everything by being your person that supports you while you're finding what else but um a lot of relationships like there's also somewhere the other partner so say you're in a committed nesting relationship and your partner has a partner that wants more than they can offer well that person is unfortunately not going to get what they want because it's not on offer and that can be a hard thing to do too is you need to know what you want from your polyamorous relationship are you looking for that triad are you looking to build a family are you looking to have someone you can take to thanksgiving and to christmas and if so 
does their nesting partner or do they have any interest in having multiple relationships with multiple families? There's so many different variables that go into polyamory, especially in the long term outside of the sex club setting. Because in the sex club setting, you're generally just getting um, the more of the stereotypical hypersexualized polyamorous idea that society has of polyamory. Whereas it's actually quite, it is quite common. Um, that is something that I've learned just from being open and talking about it because um, I, I like to create safe spaces for people to talk about alternative lifestyles so they don't, they don't end up making some really stupid mistakes that I made when I was younger. Um, but I've, I found and I've, I've actually stopped being surprised by the walks of life that I find out our swingers literally every single walk of life has swingers and polyamorous people in it. Yeah, you know, it's funny because I feel like, um, I, I hear what you're saying, I, I feel like most of us, many of us, whatever, um, just want um, our partners to not get sick of us, for us not to get sick of them, mm -hmm. for the spark not to go away or whatever. I feel like that is really kind of like, that almost feels like fantasy, right? And the yeah. reality is, is different. Um, Well, I'm frozen again. Or I guess you're frozen again. Okay, I think we're back. You're back. Yeah, okay. Um, you know, I didn't want to be separate. I didn't want to, like, take my life with two kids and, and turn it upside down. So this was mm -hmm. a decision that she had made. And and what what could I do? Like, once you know that your partner doesn't want to be there, you know, um, yeah. first, first you might flail a little, and then you just got to kind of accept it. And we're, you know, but we still cohabitate. It's really, it's really weird. But, you yeah. know, if I cut my fingers and go to a time when um, when we didn't have arguments or, or whatever and, uh, and and was able to sort of like get back there and, and do it over again, I probably would because I want my kids to actually have a good home. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah. <clears throat> so when I when I opened this conversation, I can't remember if we were on air or off air and said, you know, um, you know, now that I'm, uh, you know, technically single again, mm -hmm. um, I feel like uh, maybe I'm in like a manic mode of, of, of wanting to explore certain things. But at the end of the day, I'm just this little kitten that just wants to go back home. <laughs> do you know yeah. what I mean? And oh, 100%. Anyway, yeah. So it's interesting what you do. The psychology of what you do is enormous. <laughs> well, it's, it takes a lot. It really does. And um, it's very important to recognize when something is, potentially good for us regardless of what society tells us and then also as as you know i mentioned earlier with the frenzy and things like that you need to be mentally strong to not only have conversations with your partner but conversations with yourself that you need to wonder like why am i doing this you need to cut you need to find the reason in yourself like if you're doing it to fill a void or if you're doing it because you want to stand out or you're afraid to be alone you know people have different reasons for wanting to do it and i won't say any are necessarily right i do feel that if you are searching for someone else to fulfill you when in ways that you can't fill yourself like in a, in a deep emotional state whether it's monogamous or polyamorous it's not going to end well but it's going to 
hurt even more in a polyamorous situation because you don't have just one person that you're putting yourself into. You have multiple people that you're putting yourself into. So if you're going to enter into polyamory, you need to make sure that you know what your motives are and make sure that they're for you and not to fill something that you can't get, um, that, you, that you need to work through, that maybe therapy or talking it out with friends or journaling would do much better at fixing because you're just going to end up making things worse if your motives are, yeah. That's true. Um, really interesting stuff. Um, also, if I'm ever in Hamilton, do you have a pair of bitch boots? Maybe we can go <laughs> catch a movie. <laughs> um, not quite any bitch boots, but they do go up to the thighs. Done. All right. Um, Emily, thank you so much for joining us and uh, we'll have you back because that was a fun conversation. Yeah. Thank you for having me. This is, this is great. I'm glad we didn't go into silly land too much. Me too. Again, that ruins it. And I'm sure you're sick of that anyways. So. Uh, Yeah. It, it, it tends to be my, my normal status. So it's it's nice to have a vacation from myself. (laughs) Well, you have a good evening and we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you. You Thank you so much. No problem. Emily Pruden. I just found out that her last name's not really Pruden before we went on the air. So it is an ironical name, as they say. That was really fun. She, I learned a lot from her. Um, it's interesting talking about that because, you know, relationships and they're so complicated, man. They're, they're, I mean, they're so simple, but so complicated. Um, you know, people not being honest with each other or people being, um, you know, stint and stuff. Like, you can tell when a relationship is, is sort of waning just by looking at the faces. Uh, the face of your partner sometimes um you know all the stuff that goes on in here that doesn't come out of this is uh i don't know it's damaging it eats you from the inside out um yeah thank you very much emily for joining us that was that was awesome um tomorrow's is the triumphant return of casual friday in which i will unveil to, <laughs> to the world again um shrooms girl countdown to shrooms girl countdown to shrooms girl is what i'm calling an ongoing mini segment on cut is where um where i update the audience on how it's going to try to woo shrooms girl to come to the show this is shrooms girl here and this is her here and i call her shrooms girl because um when i look at her when (laughs) mushrooms um because she's got all these tattoos and stuff it's not just like about her boobs, guys. It really isn't. She's a fantastic painter. Like I was like, no way you did this. This is like, this is ridiculous. This is museum worthy. And then she happens to also look like that. So I find her fascinating. And then whenever I'm on shrooms and I see her, I'm just like, there she is, shrooms girl. Oh my god. And then I send her underneath all of her photos. I send her a, a gif of a of a mushroom tripping out kind of cartoon thing. And she loves them. So we've been talking, and she's shy. And so um, I want to have her on to talk about her painting and herself. I mean, she's obviously hot as hell, but um, especially this one. I'm just going to show this one again. The Roll Derby Shrooms Girl is probably my favorite. Yes, yes, ma'am. And then, of course, the quote, just just bossing you around, it's fine. <laughs> uh, the funny thing is I'm not really like that in real life. <clears throat> um, but anyways, so that will be Casual Friday. And then on Monday, we have Michael Price. Michael Price is a executive producer and a writer for The Simpsons, where he's been for 24 years, I believe. And his episode, the last episode that he wrote, is actually going to be on the night before. So this Sunday night, The New Simpsons, watch it, um, because that uh, will be the episode, one of the episodes that Michael Price has written. If I'm not mistaken, he's probably the longest uh, running writer, producer 
other than the main creators that uh, that has been on The Simpsons. So um, that's going to be fun. He was on uh, when I did the F is for Family show because uh, he's one of the writers there as well. But uh, I can't wait to talk to him. This is this I've been waiting for a conversation. This is like almost like a bucket list conversation because of how impactful that show was on generation growing up. So that's Monday, and again, tomorrow's well Friday. Thank you very much for joining us tonight, and we'll see you next time on Blackball. everywhere the imagination dares it's for the open-minded the pleasure seeker it's jeff woods with the new podcast about relationships and sexuality theme-based with special guests the blue hotel hotline at every episode climaxes with an adult bedtime story get a room and listen in at the blue hotel Begins Friday, September 23rd. Kids, I'm your eager beaver. And I'm Mr. Grizzly. If you love politics or hate politics, then have we we the perfect perfect podcast for you. The True North Eager Beaver. Incisive political commentary. We keep you up to date and give you the political and media literacy you seek. To help you cut through the bovine fecal matter. Facts first. Sound analysis. Sometimes I growl. Sometimes I sass. We impart civics and build community. And we share some laughs along the way. Being informed and engaged has never been more fabulous. Or sexy. Catch us on on the Dean Dean Blundell Network or on our YouTube channel. Or wherever you get your podcasts. Because democracy democracy is is something you you do. do.